So then, hashtag Crapped in America shows up to save the day again. <laughs> did you come up with that by yourself? No, I did not. I stole oh. it. Oh, you should have taken credit for that. I'd have been so proud of you. <laughs> I, since last night, I've been trying to come up with a name. And then I saw this on Reddit and I said, I'm just going to use this. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Crap yeah. in America. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah, this jackass keeps turning up like a bad fucking penny. Yeah. And, you know, I yell in my home, oh my God, go away, several times a week. And it was nice to actually be yelling it at my TV instead of my cat for a change. (laughs) Your cat must have been wondering, what did I do just now? I've, I've just been sitting here. Oh, no, no. She was upstairs because I put the gate up because, oh my God, go away. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So, Amy, there were a lot of big takeaways from this latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Would you agree? Absolutely, yes. So for me, one of those was after watching Bucky fall on his ass from the sky, was realizing all of the blackmail that you have on me and all of the snippets from our 50-something episodes now (laughs) that you can isolate and use against me in a court of law or God knows where else. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget that I can make you say what I want because I have every, practically every word in the English language that you've said. Yes, yes, that's true. And I'm sure Sam could do a lot with that footage too. True. So you better be nice to me. <laughs> My birthday's coming up. It's in the mail. Uh-huh. It's on the way. Uh-huh. Okay. We're going to get to that scene, of course. It was much needed levity and an otherwise very heavy episode. Yeah, it was heavy. And again, it, it's unexpectedly heavy. I was expecting the show to be a lot more lighter, more action-centric, which there is, of course, but not quite so serious about stuff. Yeah, and I think as the show progresses, we are going to get more action for sure. But I'm pleasantly surprised. I think this is exactly the show we, at least in the United States, need right now because it is very much holding a mirror to American society in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And this episode was so well written and executed, but also, I know we keep harping on this, but the casting, God. <laughs> yeah, the casting is amazing. For Even for the smaller parts, but important parts, they have managed to get the perfect people every time. Oh, yes. And I'm going to say right up front, I despise John Walker with every fiber of my being. But God Mm -hmm. damn, I love Wyatt Russell. (laughs) This guy, you know, sometimes in long franchises like this, it takes an actor a while to come into their part to figure it out, understand who their character is. And sometimes an actor comes in and immediately knows exactly what they're there to do. Mm -hmm. And this guy 
gets it. Yeah. Yeah. He must have had long discussions with the director and the writers to really get the essence of this character. Yes. Probably even read the comics, maybe. Yeah. And definitely a nod to Erin Kellyman as well. Oh, she is interesting. Our Carly Morgenthau. Yeah, she is. And she knows how to kick ass. She certainly does. She's not a little girl, Sam. Just putting that out there, <laughs> Mr. Wilson. Oh, that was less as a dig at her, but more as a dig to Bucky. True, but it's at her expense. True. Yes. All right. So let's dive in, shall we? Yes, we shall. All right. We can't even begin to rank all of these different scenes in terms of cringiness. So we won't try. But, uh, ooh, all right. So we begin with John Walker in the locker room of his own former high school. Yeah. Okay. So when you started off this episode and you see that it's focusing more on John Walker, what was your reaction? I was anxious to see where it was going to go. Okay. I was pissed off. I was like, damn it, Marvel, you cannot give us a John Walker episode so soon when we're just getting started on hating him. And I know you guys are good, then you're going to make us like him, and I do not want to like him, so fuck you. Oh, were you wrong? Yeah. Big time. I'm glad to be wrong. Indeed. Because I still hate him, so yay. Oh my God, what's happening to me? (laughs) So we get a lot of exposition in this scene A lot of things to deal with. Mm -hmm. We find out here in meeting John's wife, and we'll get to her in a second, that he was the captain of the football team in high school. Yeah, he seemed to be the popular guy. Based on how his wife looked, I wouldn't be surprised if she was a cheerleader. Right. And he seemed to have the perfect life. Got married to his high school sweetheart all these accolades and awards in his career. What's more to ask? Yes. So tell me now, what was your reaction when you saw that his wife is biracial? I thought it was a smart move for Marvel to do that because a lot of people were expecting John Walker to be this racist MAGA kind of guy. And the fact that he has a biracial wife kind of shuts that down rather quickly. So that was smart. I agree. But I think it also makes him even more tone deaf considering the rest of the episode. Okay. I must say his wife is beautiful. He's a lucky guy. Yes. So we get an interesting parallel here because Walker has some of the same complaints that Steve had when he took the shield. Yeah. He's saying that it's all about the handshakes and the speeches and the glad handing and all of that. And he just wants to do the job. Right. And Steve felt the same way. But in his case, it was, you know, putting on those shows and selling war bonds. Yeah. To the point where he thought he was a dancing monkey. Right. But I think their motives are very different. I think Walker wants to do the job for all the wrong reasons. He's got too much ego. Okay. So what are the wrong reasons, according to you? Steve had something to prove. 
but it was more proving things to himself. Whereas John Walker, I think, wants to prove to the world, look at me, I can be the best possible Captain America. But wouldn't that be understandable to a certain point? He he is insecure mm-hmm. and there is a lot of expectations on him. Absolutely. Well, I think the answer to that comes when we meet Lamar Hoskins. And mm-hmm. this is a very telling statement. He says to Walker, you can't just punch your way out of problems anymore. Yeah, indeed. That statement combined with the fact of captain of the football team, you know, big man on campus. He's actually bigger than Chris Evans. Mm -hmm. You combine all of those things. He's the exact opposite of what Dr. Erskine wanted for their super soldier prototype. Right. But the key difference here is that John Walker is not a super soldier. He's only Captain America. Steve became Captain America because of the super soldier serum. You are right about that. But Dr. Erskine's point was the mind and the heart were more important than the body in choosing Captain America. And it's Walker's heart and mind that are the problem. For the record, before people start sending me poop in the mail, I just want to clarify that I do not approve of John Walker. And I'm simply playing devil's advocate because... I hate him too, but I just want to be <laughs> rational in my hate. That's all. <laughs> please, please don't hurt me. Don't worry. We'll be spewing plenty of uh, John Walker hate throughout the episode. Yes. And I will say, as far as his life goes, they seem to have a supportive marriage. Yeah, they do. I don't think that's going to last that long. We'll see. We'll get to that. I don't know. I don't think there will be too much with regards to his personal life that will come up at this point, at least in this season. I don't think so. I agree. But I, what I mean, intend to say is he's going to have a fall. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So we get out onto the field and see that this Custer High School in Georgia is a predominantly black high school. Yeah, even I noticed that, that it seemed like most of the band members were black. Yes. And I have to wonder, is that the way it was 20 years ago-ish? 15, 20 years ago? I think he's about 35. So 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Was it the same demographic or has it changed over the last 20 years? Basically, I want to know how many black people he went to school with or befriended or played football with, you know, given the way he behaves in this episode. Okay. I'm curious, because demographics change over time. True. And he does have a biracial wife who Mm -hmm. they have stated that they met in high school. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah, just a a curiosity that can't really be answered. Mm -hmm. And then he comes onto the stage and he is interviewed by Sarah Haynes from Good Morning America. This is a great visual, isn't it? These two impossibly white people fawning over each other in a sea of, you know, black teenagers and and everything in the stands, just patting themselves on the back. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's not unintentional. There, are, there is meaning behind it. Oh, absolutely. We're told that John Walker has three medals of honor. I don't know about anybody else, but this 
struck me as odd. That's impossible. So I don't know what they were trying to do with this. Are they trying to say he's gotten awards he doesn't deserve? Especially, you know, that being the highest award that can possibly be given to an American service member. Or are they trying to show us just how amazing this guy is? I'm not sure. Not sure what they were trying to do with that. Okay, I don't know how important or how high up a Medal of Honor is, but from that, it seems to me like what they're trying to tell us is that he is an extremely distinguished soldier. Yeah, it's a huge deal to get the Congressional Medal of Honor. Right, so if he has three, it means he's absolutely godlike, fantastic, and that's why he's the perfect person to be Captain America. Well, he certainly thinks he's fantastic, and he thinks he just knows all about Steve Rogers. <laughs> well, he does say that he's followed his career closely and things like that. He, ne- he never claimed to know him personally. No, he doesn't outright claim, but he acts as if he has any right to speak of Steve in this way. There's a lot of yelling on my couch. Okay. A lot of yelling (laughs) during this episode. I'm trying to restrain myself. Yeah, this was probably his way of trying to justify him getting the title of Captain America. Yes. He's constantly trying to justify himself. Yeah. And I think that is going to play a big role moving forward. Not only in this episode, but going ahead. Yes. His insecurity is his dominant character trait. I think he has a strong case of imposter syndrome. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to lead him to make some very poor decisions. Already has. Yep. Yep. And I wasn't the only one absolutely furious watching this asshole. I think more heartbroken than furious. Oh, I think the look on Bucky's face was rage. I think it was more disbelief. Rage, absolutely, yes. because. How else do these guys ever express themselves? But there's also disappointment and sadness. He probably never, ever thought that he would see anyone else wearing that uniform and carrying that shield. Yes. Except for Sam. Did you notice anything else about Bucky in that moment? It was very quick. He was sitting on the floor? Yeah, he's got no furniture at all. Which is weird because in the previous episode, we see him waking up on the floor, but he did have a chair. Yeah, he will not allow himself any creature comforts. Mm -hmm. Either that or he's just not used to it. I think it's both. Hmm. Possibly. So Bucky is just not going to let this slide and heads (laughs) over to give Sam an earful at the hangar. Yeah. And what I found interesting was that in the previous episode, Sam had told Torres that keep an eye out, find out more information, and then we'll talk. And -hmm. in this episode, all of a sudden, Sam is gung-ho about going and catching these guys. He's using this, the Flag Smashers, as a coping mechanism for the fuckery that's going on with Captain America. Absolutely. Sam would take on an entire army himself right now if it meant putting off dealing with his emotions for a little while longer. Yes. I felt because of this, this incredible restraint, Anthony Mackie for me is the standout 
of this episode. Absolutely. He has done a brilliant job. This episode, he has conveyed so many nuanced feelings and expressions. He doesn't need to say much in order to get the point across. Yeah. And the point he's trying to get across to Bucky is... Back the fuck off. Pretty much. So I think there's an important point to make with this whole exchange too. So Bucky is really pissed at Sam for giving up the shield. But he's more upset about it on behalf of Steve because of the way this is tarnishing Steve's reputation. He's more upset about that than he is for Sam. And I think this is an important way of showing they are still not friends yet. Yeah, agreed. They never were friends in the first place. They were reluctant allies because of Steve. And now they need to redefine their relationship now that Steve isn't around. Yeah. And we heard in the previous episode that Sam has been trying to reach out to Bucky. He has been making that attempt, but Bucky hasn't reciprocated. And now for Bucky to come in all pissed off about what Sam did, it's, it's kind of a dick move. Well, I also think the only reason Sam is reaching out to Bucky, has been sending those texts, is because of Steve. Yeah, that's fair. They both know that Steve would want them to help each other. Right. In, in the spirit of that, Bucky is still not taking that first step to, to meet Sam there. I think this is partly his way of trying to make that first step. If this gave him at least an excuse to go see Sam. And it's important to note, Sam does not invite him on this mission. He just goes. No, I think the reason why Bucky went on the mission was because not to stop the flag smashers. It was to convince Sam to take the shield back. He was on a different mission. I think, it, I think you're right. I think it was partly that. And I also think Bucky does not want to be alone right now. But he has no idea how to express what he's feeling to Sam. He is brand new at dealing with his feelings in a mind that is his own. Why would you say he's afraid to be alone? I think he's afraid of himself. Based on what he says to Sam in their quote-unquote therapy session later, I think he's afraid of himself, afraid of things he could do. And he's realizing how alone he is in the world. He just saw a guy basically replacing his brother, replacing a man who saved his life twice over to whom he literally owes everything. Mm -hmm. And it's killing him. Yeah. It's just a reminder of how alone he is in the world. Sam's all he has along with Mr. Nakajima and, we know that story. Yeah, Sam is all he has left. Yeah. So, I mean, Sam is right. The Flag Smashers have to be the priority here. But he is also, like you said, using this to not deal with what's happening in his life. Right. And I can't wait to see Anthony Mackie when Sam finally explodes. Because it's going to happen. Yeah, it's true. I am simultaneously looking forward to the sheer acting skills. Mm -hmm. And I'm also afraid to see how that's going to play out and what the fallout of that is going to be. Yep. 
I feel the same way. I'm so torn about it. The girl inside me who grew up watching inside the actor studio with James Lipton is like, oh my God, this is going to be thrilling. And the Marvel fan in me is like, oh God, it's going to get worse for Sam. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Sam knows bigger things at stake here. We got the big three. (laughs) Yes. Androids, aliens, or wizards. And you know what? He's totally right. You think about it. Not really. I mean, there have been human bad guys. As far as the non, well, I guess Doctor Strange is human. Yeah, but he's a sorcerer. (laughs) And as we all know, a sorcerer is just a wizard without a hat. Agreed. (gasps) Who wrote that? Who, Who wrote that? I need to meet the person who wrote that. Michael Castellin is credited with writing this episode. I got to know if it was you, buddy. I got to shake your hand. That's one of the best (laughs) goddamn lines I've ever heard. Well, in terms of big bats, we've also had human ones like Obadiah Stane. Yeah, rich white guys. Yes. The, The true big bads of the world. That's true. Can't argue with that. So yeah, we got the big three, but Sam thinks they have a different problem, that there's a super soldier who's a part of the Flag Smashers. I have so much trouble saying Flag Smashers, you have no idea. (laughs) We just mentioned Anthony Mackie's restraint here, which Mm. is Sam's restraint. He's right. Bucky does not get to come and tell him about his rights. Very pointed comment. Yes. The key word is rights. Yes. Because we know how much people of color have to fight for their rights. And I think some of this is lost on Bucky because Bucky missed everything. Yes, he missed a lot of the progress that has happened in, and, and the civil rights movement. But he did grow up in the 1940s, which was the time for segregation. So he wasn't unaware of anything. No, but I don't know what's reasonable to expect from Bucky here in terms of cultural awareness. So he missed almost 80 years. And it's very possible that as a poor child growing up during the Depression, that Bucky never left Brooklyn and possibly not even his neighborhood before going off to war. And his experience with racism, just given that area was probably more confined to immigrants facing discrimination. So he may have been very insulated just due to like poverty and geography from the brutal racism that the African-American community faced, especially since even though, of course, racism was terrible in the North, it was significantly worse in the South. And as far as all his trauma goes, I'd personally be in a padded cell just drooling if I were Bucky. The human brain is only so flexible He's been fucked with so much, and he's got so many immediate problems to contend with just in daily life that I don't know how reasonable it is to say, like, okay, buddy, time to get with the modern program and play cultural catch-up. True. You know what he needs? What? A lazy boy. (laughs) A lazy boy? Why? Just sit there, put on the TV, make a list like, like Steve did, and just binge watch everything so he needs to become joey and chandler is what you're saying essentially yes for a while he needs that break to decompress 
and that way he will understand one term, which is neckbeard. He is not a neckbeard. Well, if he does that, he will become one. <laughs> That's true. I think he does have that potential, but no, Sebastian Stan yeah. is not a neckbeard, for the record. <laughs> no, I didn't say he was. He would become one. Well, Bucky's got other things to do. And one of those things is joining Sam and Munich to go after the Flag Smashers. Yes. Not, not before smashing some trees, though. That was fantastic. I will never get <laughs> enough of his seeing him jump out of that plane and fall on his ass. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he fell on everything except his ass. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I definitely... Uh... Definitely hit the pause button there and just let that soak in for about 30 seconds. How, how does that work? A man is on the ground after falling 200 feet <laughs> and you want to pause and watch? When he's just laying there on the ground like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> yes. You are a terrible human being. I'm okay with that. And I'm also a terrible human being because I was worried more about the arm. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> well, I mean, we've all seen, we've all seen the Captain America franchise. We know that Bucky can, can survive log falls. Well, yeah, true. And of course, Sam caught every second of this through Red Wing. Great blackmail. Absolutely. I would love to see a copy of that over and over again. Same. For very different reasons. <laughs> yeah. So the Flag Smashers are set up here in an abandoned warehouse and they are smuggling weapons. Or so we assume. Yes. And, and we get a nice little drop of White Wolf here. Yeah. White Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am curious about that. It's the second time that it's been mentioned in the MCU. So based on the comics, the White Wolf is actually is a citizen of Wakanda. And, and he was adopted by King T'Chaka. But he ended up turning against Wakanda and worked against them. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't see Bucky ever doing that because he has fond memories of Wakanda. I agree. It might just be a little fan service with the name. Maybe, because White Wolf in the comics was a bad guy. Now you're making me nervous. Glad to hear it. I hate you. <laughs> so Bucky is ready to just go charging in and beating up these two guys because he's got a vibranium arm. He can take them. Right. And Sam really would like to hang back a bit, think things through more and let Red Wing do some recon. Yes, smart move, clearly. Yes, but at the same time, speaking of Chandler Bing, could you guys be any louder? <laughs> yeah, I think with the super strength comes less than super hearing. Yes, and I love their banter here. Definite Riggs and Murtaugh kind of vibes. You know, with Sam being the more cautious one and Bucky being reckless and having issues with his mental stability. Who is this Riggs and blah, blah? <sighs> we went over this lethal weapon. Oh, right. 
Sorry. Oh, your lack of movie knowledge is my cross to bear. (laughs) Now, Sam thinks that the Flag Smashers have a hostage, so they take off. Yes. Is this the first time that we see Bucky running at super speed? I think it might be. Mm -hmm. You had forgotten that he has super soldier powers, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I know he's strong and I know the fact that he's young since so many years. He does have the super soldier serum, but we've always seen him rely so much on his arm that I forgot that he had all those other capabilities that Steve did. Right. So seeing him run up like this and jump up and open the door. One thing I was wondering is that he jumped up onto the first truck. So why is it that the truck behind him didn't warn anyone? They could have seen him from the windshield right there. I don't think the Flag Smashers were worried about them at all. Bucky and Sam were just like flies on their shoulders. That's fair, yeah, considering they knew Carly was in there and she could have taken care of both of them. Yes, and what else was in the truck? Not weapons. Vaccines. This was another point where I had to stop the episode and say, are you shitting me? What are you, fucking Nostradamus, Kevin Feige? (laughs) Well, yeah, vaccines are pretty important for us at this point of time. Yeah, but I mean, in the last month, this has become a major problem in the U.S. where COVID vaccines have had to be put under heavily armed guard with all kinds of tricked out trucks because people have been trying to steal them. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. The timing of this show and WandaVision was the same way. Like, my God, somebody at Marvel has to be clairvoyant. That's really the only explanation for this. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the Loki stuff plays into real life then. I can't even handle that right now. I just can't. Maybe someone does invent time travel by then. Who knows? (laughs) That would be fun. So here's one of the reasons that Aaron Kellyman is so perfectly cast as Carly Morgenthau, who we're going to discuss her comic history. She looks so young and innocent when Bucky comes upon her. Yes, she's very convincing as the scared little girl who is hiding in a corner. Yeah, with those big doe eyes. Yeah. And he has a hint of a smile when he says, hey. Yeah. Um, speaking of smiles, did hers also chill your blood as it oh, did yeah, mine? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's terrifying. She's adorable yet terrifying. Perfect combination. And it's that smile that makes Bucky realize, I've made a colossal mistake. (laughs) Yeah, before he lands on his ass. Yes. And we get an amazing action sequence here with Sam and Bucky on top of these trucks. Yes. Question. Were you having motion sickness? Surprisingly, no. Very good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I that didn't even cross my mind. And it's interesting because I get motion sickness from turning too quickly in my desk chair. <laughs> and during this fight scene, we say bye bye, Red Wing. Oh, yeah. Poor Red Wing. I thought Sam would be more upset about that. He's still too angry to process the loss of his closest and dearest friend. 
That's true. There is an awful lot going on here. Yeah. And it gets overshadowed very quickly with a certain someone showing up. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, I do apologize if my voice is just slightly scratchy today. Like I said, just so much yelling at the TV. (laughs) Oh, when I heard, oh, when I heard that cap theme music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard it, I thought I was hearing things, so I rewinded. I was like, no way they did that. And then, uh-huh, yes, they did that. It's like Malcolm Spellman, the head writer and, and the showrunner. It's like they all got together and said, All right, guys, let's put an idealist on the board. How can we piss them off the most? I think it's a smart move that they've done. Because if they don't use the same music the signature music and they don't make it seem as real as possible people will pick up on the fact that john walker will not stay captain america for very long i absolutely agree well it also reinforces the fact that john walker is trying to be something he's not how so he is not steve he is not what captain america should be And it just, that music just reinforces the fact that he is an imposter. He should have imposter syndrome because he's a fucking (laughs) imposter. (laughs) He's absolutely not Steve. And he says that. And he doesn't want to be Steve. He just wants to be his version of Captain America. It's kind of like, I think he's thinking of it probably like as the Pope. Every pope has their own agenda, their own interests and whatever it is that they do. They don't need to do exactly what their predecessor did. It's his interpretation of the title. All right. uh, I'm not going to touch that one. (laughs) I see your point. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. The big takeaway here. is, Is twofold because we have what's actually happening and then we have the allegorical true to life what's happening Mm -hmm. what we see is this douche and hoskins who we'll we'll also discuss swooping in thinking they can just save the day and what we also have is a privileged white man who doesn't know shit thinking he knows what's best for the black man who actually deserves the title the white man has That's not confusing at all. Sure. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he swoops in like the hero he thinks he is or wants to be, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't quite go as planned. Oh, it doesn't? It doesn't? That being said, Bucky and Sam were in a precarious position at that time, and... John Walker did come in and kind of help them, but they didn't defeat the Flag Smashers. That's the key point. Correct. And when he pulled that gun, I wanted to break my television. (laughs) Yeah, Steve was not the kind of guy who would pull out a gun willy-nilly. No. So we get a great sequence here of Bucky hanging on to the truck for dear life while... Walker and Hoskins are getting their asses handed to them. Yes. Sam quite literally swoops in and grabs Bucky 
and they have a nice roll in the hay. I'm sorry, they go rolling in the fields. I don't know which is more gay. (laughs) So I initially misunderstood why you thought this moment was funny. Then you taught me a phrase I'd never heard before this week. Yes, and that word is queerbaiting. Okay, so explain this concept for straight folks like me who are totally unaware of it. So queerbaiting is something that shows do that is basically taking two canonically straight people and putting them in situations that may seem gay. And there are two reasons why it's done. One, it's a joke. You have two straight people put in an uncomfortable situation that could be interpreted as gay or crossing that purely platonic line as funny, ha-ha. And the second reason is to give queer people a kind of like a morsel to get them in, to make them get excited about this maybe potentially queer couple only to string them along to get the views and not actually give them a proper queer relationship. Yeah, so this concept was entirely new to me and we've spent a significant amount of time talking about it, or rather you've spent a significant amount of time being very patient (laughs) trying to explain this to me. And the best way you put it was, okay, replace either Sam or Bucky with Sharon Carter. Right. And that was my light bulb moment. So I started thinking back to other shows and movies and replacing men with women in my head. Specifically, I watched Ocean's Eleven that night. And in my mind, I replaced George Clooney with Anne Hathaway. And I was like, holy shit. I would totally think if that was Anne Hathaway, that her and Brad Pitt were going to go to a hotel room after this, (laughs) this opening bit. So yeah, I'm still confused. I'm taking my first little baby steps here to understanding this. <laughs> and yeah. it's certainly something I'm not going to always notice. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make a concerted effort to think about it moving forward and looking at older stuff in a new light. Yeah. So if you take these two scenes in particular, one is this rolling in the fields. And the second one is the couples therapy session and the soul gazing. If you replace either one of these characters with a woman and you look at these scenes, you would assume that the show is setting them up to be a couple. Whereas we know that Sam and Bucky both are straight guys and they have no intention of going there. If they do, I'd be pleasantly surprised. Definitely. And we'll just have to wait and see. So after their little date in the, in the fields, they decide to take a nice romantic walk back home. Well, to be fair, they're just walking because they want nothing to do with Walker and Hoskins. <laughs> and I don't blame them. I would also prefer to walk 20 miles rather than be in that asshole's company. Yeah, I agree on that bit. But one, the location that they shot in is absolutely exquisite. Mm-hmm. I love the place. It was beautiful. I would love to know where it is so that I could go and actually walk there. It's beautiful. Two, this again, the whole car driving slowly while one person is trying to convince another one to hop into the car is another classic rom-com-ish trope where the guy's in the car telling 
the girl, oh, come on, get in. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And she's just walking on the side, pissed off. In this case, it's two guys and two guys. You know what else was beautiful? What? Seeing John Walker fall onto somebody's windshield and then onto his ass on the highway. (laughs) I could also watch that over and over again. Yeah, I actually wanted to say that the one time I think he used the shield correctly was when he was when he threw the shield to help Hoskins when he fell down. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, I mean, he he's obviously no pro with the shield like Steve was, but he he used the shield correctly in his intention, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. He comes upon Sam and Bucky here, and oh, there's an awful lot of wee, 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 isn't there? Yep. He's like a goddamn stuck pig. Wee, wee, wee. All the way home. (laughs) Yeah, he's basically giving his sales pitch to the two of them to join up. Yeah, so Walker's making the pitch. And it's throughout this episode, he gets more and more desperate for Sam and Bucky to work with him. Yeah, and I find it interesting that Sam is willing to give him a chance. I give him so much credit for that. Yeah, he's definitely the bigger person. He's willing to give this guy a chance and, if needed, work with him. With a little convincing, of course. He's not absolutely gung-ho, ready to go. Yay, Cap. Yeah, Sam is certainly a better person than I am. (laughs) Or Bucky, even. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bucky just... If looks could kill... Walker would be just a puddle of goo. Yes, as Sam had said earlier, I can also see those gears turning in Bucky's head and he's considering all (laughs) the different ways to murder this man. Yes, he's computing. And this whole spiel is the entitlement of this piece of shit. (laughs) They literally rode in on Sam's coattails by hacking Red Wing. Because... Walker couldn't figure it out for himself, so he used a black man to do it for him and do the hard work first. Yeah, and his justification for it is that they didn't technically hack Red Wing because Red Wing is government property and they are basically the government. (sighs) Oh, I'd love to know. I need to go looking for some interviews with Wyatt Russell. I need to know whose idea it was. His or or Kari Skoglund, the director. His body language, these mannerisms that he makes just add such a layer of douchery over this performance. Mm-hmm. Fucking seriously. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's a combination of both of them. Yeah. And it's a testament to him of how well he has adapted to this character. Yes. And this is so contrary to everything Steve believed. That's why he didn't sign the Sokovia Accords. Yes. At this point, it's very clear that John Walker is the complete opposite of Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. He may have the physical skills that Steve had, minus the super soldier serum, But mentally and emotionally, they're complete opposites. Yes. And it's here we also learn that there is a global organization called the GRC designed to help all 
the refugees who came back from the blip. Yes. And it was interesting to hear this talk about social security and healthcare, making us think about all the aspects of everyday life that would have needed to be dealt with for billions of people immediately. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go through all of that. Yeah. And especially with and especially with poor Bucky. Poor guy was like, God damn it, I just officially existed again. And then I'm gone and now I have to exist again. Yeah. <laughs> I bet his paperwork must be a complete mess. Oh yeah, I don't even want to know. Just mountains <laughs> and miles of red tape. Let's just say if he needs to go to the bank and he needs to open an account, the vibranium arm will help carrying all those files. Indeed. Now, Walker makes another very pointed, timely comment here, saying that violent revolutionaries are never good for anyone's cause. And Sam counters with, that's usually said by the people holding the resources. So he has pointed out that John Walker is the one with the resources. He is the establishment. Yes. But at the same time, I think it's a very gray statement. Mm -hmm. especially right now for where we are in 21 with the events of January 6th behind us, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, he does have a point because we have seen, you know, the civil rights movement itself was a big example of this. It was nonviolence that got the job done. Right. You know, but I also totally understand where Sam's coming from because he's right. Yeah. And it's not just the civil rights movement. Uh, Nelson Mandela was a big proponent of nonviolent means. India got their independence through Mahatma Gandhi because of not nonviolent means. So yes, that absolutely works. And they are listening. Bucky is at least sitting there until Hoskins identifies himself as Battlestar. This is a very good litmus test for someone if they're unsure of the fact if they're a Battlestar Galactica fan. Because mentally, <laughs> any time Hoskins said Battlestar, I filled in Galactica. Yep. And Bucky's just like, nope, nope, I'm out. Yeah. You guys are a joke. <laughs> so this is also a good time to just discuss just a little bit of the backstory of Lamar Hoskins from the comics, along with John Walker. So Lamar Hoskins, played very nicely here by Clay Bennett. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He was John Walker's partner as he is now. Mm -hmm. Ironically, he was originally known by the alias of Bucky. Yeah, and that was done on purpose because obviously Steve and Bucky mm -hmm. and the comics wanted to, wanted to say, well, if we can get another Captain America, we can get another Bucky. But they did it in a roundabout way. Right. It was a nickname for bold urban commandos, Buck. And at some point, Hoskins discovered that urban was just white people code for black people. So he changed it to Battlestar. Yeah, that's true. And then that's how he took the name Battlestar after that. Yes. And so along with John Walker, he was given super soldier powers by the entity we're going to see introduced later in this episode, Power Broker. Correct. And John Walker in the comics, just like in the show, he wasn't a super soldier and he was given the serum by Power Broker. He eventually joined the Power Brokers because of that. But he is a guy who 
is a very great character. He learns his lessons, steps down as Captain America, and eventually becomes U.S. agent. So Bucky takes off and Walker continues trying to make his case to Sam. And he says, I'm just trying to be the best Captain America I can be. And Mm -hmm. that's the problem. That statement right there is the crux of the issue because he's been making it all about himself. That's what he does not understand. I disagree at that point, actually. I think that that's the right attitude. He's trying to be the best Captain America he can be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, he's been given this huge responsibility and we know he has imposter syndrome and he's trying to do his best. His heart is in the right place with this aspect. So I wouldn't say this statement is wrong. It's everything underpinning it with him is what I mean. The subtext Mm -hmm. of it. He's got all of this insecurity mixed with arrogance. And all he cares about is what Sam can do for him. That is where I have a problem. Yes, he does say that he's trying to be the best Captain America that he can be. And it would be a lot easier if he had Steve's wingmen by his side. That's where I have a problem. Yeah, because you know what this is? This is a white politician looking for an endorsement from an important black leader just to make them look good to the black community. That's what this is. And another perspective of that is that Steve never thought of Sam and Bucky as wingmen. He always treated them as equals. And especially with Sam, Steve knew he never would have taken down Hydra without Sam. Sam was the one who took him and Natasha in when they were on the run. Yeah, absolutely. And it was Sam's choice to come in and help. Steve never recruited him. Whereas John is actively trying to recruit them in. And he's trying to be their leader. Yeah. And Walker here really has the same problem that a lot of white men in authority have. They don't understand that respect is something that you earn, not that you demand. Correct. And that leads me to my next question, which is, why the hell is Lamar Hoskins so gung-ho about this dude and on board for all of this? Seemed at the beginning of the episode like they go back a ways, but still. Yes. Yeah. So I have multiple thoughts about this. One, Marvel is trying to recreate the Steve and Sam dynamic, white guy and black guy versus another white guy and black guy. But I think there's more to it than that. Do you think Hoskins is looking for a little residual fame? I can't speak to that because we don't know anything about Hoskins except for the fact that he is John's closest friend. We're just kind of assuming that, but maybe. Yeah. Another thing could be that maybe the government has intentionally chosen Hoskins because of the Steve and Sam, Captain America and Falcon idea of it. but. When it comes to Hoskins as a man and why is he still backing John Walker, they go a ways back, like you said. And they're friends. Clearly, they seem to have a good relationship. 
Walker doesn't seem like a racist or never seems to be demeaning towards Hoskins. I know it's a low bar, but... <laughs> yeah, oh, it certainly is. I know, I know. But they're friends. And there's this one particular point that we do not know if it's public knowledge, whether Sam was supposed to be Captain America and he gave it up, or was that just covered up by the government and Hoskins has no idea. It looked like a pretty public event to me. It was a public event for Sam to give the shield and do this whole memorial thing. But the fact that Steve had given him the shield to become the next Captain America, that is the point. Hmm. Does the public know that? Did the government know that? Oh, I think the government absolutely, I think the government 100% knew that. I'm not giving the United States government the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so if they knew, did they purposely withhold that information, hoping that Sam would not be the next Captain America or try to manipulate him to not be the next Captain America and hide the fact from John Walker and Lamar Hoskins? That, I think, is more plausible, that they just didn't know. And that would explain a lot of both their behaviors. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. I'm so glad when I make you think. Hmm. I don't, <laughs> I, I want it, I don't want that to be true because I want to continue hating him fully. Yeah, see, that's my problem. <laughs> I wouldn't mind hating him, but I want to hate him for good reason. <laughs> When Walker refers to Sam as Cap's wingman, he's like, nope, that last line, nope, I'm out. And Sam goes to join Bucky. Yeah, that's the line where the terms and conditions show up and you say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not signing that paper. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that that is perfect. So now we head over to the latest Flag Smasher hideout. Yes. They have almost like an underground network here of supporters. And they they seem to have a decent amount of public support, which is understandable. Yes, they do. And this guy is so excited to have these people here to help them. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. And at one point, I was actually a little afraid for this guy. So was I when she put the lid on the food. I was like, oh, my God, what are they going to do to him? Yes, I know. What was it? What was it that got you? Because I can't figure it out. It was her expression. She's very unsettling. She scares me. (laughs) I was like, they're going to take the food and they're going to kill him. And then I don't know what they're going to do, but they didn't. They were nice. Yeah. Yeah. And she is becoming quite the legend. Yes, she is. And I think this is very telling. They purposely put this in and made him so excited and happy because they're laying the groundwork to tell us that the Flag Smashers are not actually the big bad of the show. Yeah, I mean, he refers to them as Robin Hood, you know, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. And their whole ideology is anti-nationalism, one world, one people. And I gotta say, I'm kind of on board for it. Yeah, me too. And the fact that they're trying to give vaccines and medication to refugees tells you that they're not about grabbing power. 
Right. They're about trying to rectify the wrongs that the people in power are doing. And we also see in a text that Carly's on the run here from whomever they stole the vaccines from. And we're going to see that soon. Yes. So based on that text, it seems like she has a personal connection with whoever this person is. Yeah. So let's talk about Carly for a minute because she's not Carly in the comics, is she? No, she is Carl Morgenthau. Yes. So we have a gender swap here, which was awesome. Yes. Very well done. So Carl Morgenthau in the comics comes from a privileged background, a son of a diplomat and very intelligent and a highly trained fighter. And he became a terrorist pushing the same anti-nationalist agenda. Right. And eventually, Carl teamed up with John Walker and and he individually took on the mantle of Flag Smasher. Yeah. So far, we've only seen this one group as the Flag Smashers, but I have a feeling that this is a much larger group than it seems. Well, they're definitely a powerful group because as... Sam and Bucky come to realize, oh, shit, they're all super soldiers. Yeah. So what comes up from the comics with regards to Carly, we'll wait and watch. But I'm definitely interested in seeing more of her. Yeah. And the group in general. This is refreshing right now. After the last, you know, four years in the U.S. with this, you know, white supremacist, nationalist bullshit that we've been so inundated with. And it's all over the world these days. Fashionism is back in fashion. And it's unbelievable that we still haven't learned the goddamn lessons. Yes, unfortunately. Now we get back on the plane with Sam and Bucky. And yes, great plan, Buck. Yeah, let's just steal the shield back from John Walker. Like we're on the playground. (laughs) Yeah. At this moment, it's very apparent he's not thinking straight. He's too in his head. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Bucky lost in his head like that isn't good for anybody. No. Sam tries to make him realize that it's not just as easy as that. Yeah, because he reminds him, hey, remember the last time we tried that? Sharon became an enemy of the state. Me and Steve, you know, fugitives for two years, all that good stuff. Yeah, and he says he has no intention of again living like that. Yeah, can't blame him. Yeah, can't blame him because not only was he running for two years and not being able to see his family, and then he again lost five more years. Yeah. Yeah, like he said, when he when he last saw his nephews, they were babies. Yeah, and now they're so much older, and he has this whole tension going on with, with Sarah. Which again, you can't blame her because he wasn't there for so long. Yeah. And he, that's another thing he's avoiding dealing with too. True. You can't exactly sell a boat when you're halfway across the world, right? Yeah. Bucky has a plan though. He's got somebody he wants Sam to meet. Yes. Oh boy. Yeah. So before we head to Baltimore, I want to preface this. About eight years ago, one of my like 25 jobs that I've had in my life was as a counselor at a methadone clinic in California. So I was 26. I had never so much as smoked a cigarette. I don't even drink coffee, let alone liquor because of my health issues. And I had zero training of any kind in counseling. Nonetheless, I felt more qualified 
to do that job than I do to break down what happens here in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, I think neither of us are really qualified. But we're going to try to do our best to discuss it to the best of our ability. Yes. And again, if there's something that we miss out or we are unable to speak on it in a, in a fully informed manner, please let us know and tell us how we're wrong and how can we be better. So I think setting this in Baltimore was important. They could have said it anywhere, but they chose mm-hmm. Baltimore, which, which is in the top 10 cities in America in terms of African-American population. Baltimore is 62% black. Okay. So Sam and Bucky are coming upon this house and this interaction Sam has with these two boys who are equally as adorable as Sam's nephews too. Mm -hmm. It really sets the stage. Yeah, it does. And it also is a direct reference to the comic character we're about to meet. Right. So this little boy calls Sam, oh my God, it's Black Falcon, Black Falcon. And Sam basically says to the kid, like, dude, it's just Falcon. Are you black kid? No. And he makes yeah. a joke. He makes a joke out of it, you know? Yeah, true. It's done in a lighthearted manner. And frankly, because I am not from the United States and, and I'm not aware of this whole black Falcon, black Captain America, black XYZ, it flew over my head. Okay. So two things here that are really connected. Mm-hmm is that oftentimes white people, and I'm guilty of this myself, it's ingrained in us. We use black as a qualifier for people when it's not necessary to differentiate, when it's not needed in any way. Yeah, it's like saying a woman firefighter. Exactly. And that is something that I'm actively trying to be more aware of when I speak, whether it's Mm -hmm. black or woman. You know, and even as a woman, I do that. It's like I said, it's ingrained in us. Yeah, true. And it's also a direct reference to the gentleman we're about to meet, Isaiah Bradley, who was dubbed in the comics as Black Captain America. Couldn't just be Captain America. Had to be Black Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, these boys are super cute. And it did make me miss Sam's family a little bit. I know we'll see them again, but I was missing that Mm -hmm. this episode. Okay. So we meet Isaiah Bradley. Played by Carl Lumley, who you recognized. Yes. I recognized him from Supergirl. And he's also been in Battlestar Galactica. Playing kind of the same character, yes? In Battlestar, he got screwed by the military. And in this case, again, he got screwed by the government. So yeah, kind of. So it's clear right away that, yes, he and Bucky know each other, but not under the best of circumstances. No. Isaiah was sent to kill the Winter Soldier. And here's the key thing. The reason he was sent in was because he was a super soldier. So there was a group of about 300 black soldiers who were used as guinea pigs for the super soldier Mm -hmm. serum. And he was the only one who survived. Yes. So there's a few things here. One, I think it's important that Bucky mentions it was during the Korean War that these two met. That's an important point because the Korean War is known as America's Forgotten War. 
Okay. Can you tell me when was the Korean War? The early 1950s. Okay. So pretty soon after the Second World War finished, the Korean War happened. Correct. So I think it's an interesting parallel that all of these soldiers were also forgotten, you know? Yeah. And this kind of reminded me of another experiment that was done in the real world. Yes. So there were God knows how many experiments performed by the U.S. government on people of color at various points throughout American history. Yeah. And one notable one was the Tuskegee experiment. Yes. And we will link to this in the show notes. But the gist is that 600 black men in Alabama were used by the U.S. government for a study. About 400 of them had syphilis, but they were only given placebos as quote-unquote treatment. They weren't even told what they were being treated for. And even after penicillin was invented and widely used, these men were not treated for syphilis. The study wasn't shut down until 1972. This went on for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And by the time the study concluded, quote-unquote study, my ass, 28 of these men had died directly from syphilis. 100 more had passed away from complications. At least 40 of their spouses had also been diagnosed with it. And the disease had been passed on to 19 children at birth. And this does not include all the chemical weapons that were tested on black soldiers during World War II. You know, I had heard of the Tuskegee experiment, but I didn't know the details of it. So yesterday, when I actually went through it and read read it, and just seeing this in black and white, the way these people were treated, the way they were used as guinea pigs, and the way these doctors were just inhumane and refusing to treat them, yeah. To the point that when these men were drafted and needed to be treated in order to join the armed forces, these doctors stopped them from being treated yeah. and told them to let them continue and, and sign up while they still were sick. Yes, and all of this history makes this seem that much more powerful. Yes. it's. I'm appalled at the complete and utter inhumanity that some people have. Yeah. So Bradley was sent to kill Bucky. He managed to take half of Bucky's arms, but he didn't get the job done. Which is, which is saying something, considering how strong, how strong the Winter Soldier was and is. Yes. Where everyone else died, this guy managed to get half his arm. That's something. Yeah. And for his trouble, Mr. Bradley was thrown in prison for 30 fucking years. Yeah. They took his blood. They, they did multiple tests on him. And he left one thing hanging. They would come into my cell. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. So God alone knows what kind of atrocities he went through over there all for being the one surviving person in that group. So he has every right to be pissed off. 
Yes. And doesn't want to speak about it. Yes. And to add insult to that injury, Bucky comes in looking perfectly healthy from the outside at least and tells Isaiah that I'm not a killer anymore. Yeah. And his response here is very interesting because I think he means it one way and Bucky takes it another. Mm -hmm. He says, you think you can wake up one day and decide who you want to be? It doesn't work like that. Well, maybe it does for folks like you. Right. I took that to mean white people. I agree. Bucky, we're going to see later in this episode, takes it to mean Hydra. No. At that point, I think he, I don't know if he thought of it in that way, but the second half of that conversation, when he says that your people weren't done with me, that's when he meant Hydra. And that's when Bucky also knew what he was talking about. Okay. Okay. I got a little slipped up with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Carl Lumley is just fantastic in this scene. Yeah. He has played this part so well. Yeah. It's incredible. And you can tell, and I don't mean just the character, but actor too, that man could throw down. He could beat the shit out of both Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. I have no doubt of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has that imposing physique. Yeah. So he kicks them out of his house and his grandson leads them out. Yes, we assume it's his grandson. Yeah, just a quick mention here. His grandson in the comics is Elijah Bradley. Just remember that name, folks, because we've had Billy and Tommy Maximoff introduced. Teenage Kate Bishop is coming. So is Ms. Marvel. Elijah Bradley was part of the Young Avengers. So just keep that in mind. Put that in your back pocket. Yes, we don't know when that will happen, but it's seeming more and more likely that it is going to happen. Yeah. So Sam is understandably furious leaving this house. Yeah. And he is confronting Bucky that how the fuck does nobody know about him? Yeah. How could we have had another super soldier, a black super soldier, and nobody knows about it? For the same reason that American kids don't learn about the Tuskegee experiment in history classes. Yeah, and that adds to my theory that the government purposely hid the fact that Sam was given the mantle of Captain America and he chose not to take it. Mm -hmm. So Sam is furious about the situation, but he's also pissed at Bucky for not telling him about this. Yeah, and for not telling Steve about it. Oh, Steve would have lost his shit about this. Yeah. But I also understand Bucky's side of it. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Because we've got to deal with the cops first. Mm. Jesus. We can't even, like we said, begin to break this down. Yeah. What I find interesting is that as soon as the cops come in, they immediately ask Sam for his ID. And they ask Bucky if Sam is harassing him. Of course. That's the way it goes. And Sam's just minding his own business. It's like the old adage, you know, driving while black, doing anything while black, just existing. Yeah. And Bucky told the cops that Sam is not bothering him, but they're still on guard. Mm -hmm. And they're still demanding that he gives them his ID. Yeah. 
And I mean, this happens every goddamn day in America. Yeah. Sam has done absolutely nothing wrong. And there's an additional layer here that the writers are trying to get across to us. Here's our mirror to American society. The writer's showing us the white guy is actually the much greater threat right here. Yes, but he's assumed to be a less of a threat just because he's white. Exactly. It's the whole street crime versus, you know, financial crime, economic crime, legislative crime nonsense of politicians making street crime the devil. Meanwhile, they're fucking us all over at the top. And, you know, the same can be said about so many of our white mass shooters, you know? Yeah. How many of them have been taken alive into custody? Mm -hmm. And then we have people like George Floyd. Yes, absolutely. And Sam is beyond frustrated. Like, how much more humiliation and disrespect can he take? Yeah. And he's pushing back a little bit about not giving his ID. Right, because he shouldn't have to. Yeah, he shouldn't. And that's understandable. But a lot of people will say, well, he could have just given his ID and de-escalated the situation. Yeah, that's a stupid thing white people say. Yeah, because there is no de-escalation there. No, this scenario right here does not happen to white people. It just doesn't. Right. What does de-escalate the situation is Bucky saying, do you know who this guy is? Yes, and the other cop recognizes both of them. Yeah. That's when the situation gets diffused. Right. What would have happened had they not recognized Sam? Sam's on the ground with a bullet in his head. Yeah, exactly. Or a whole bunch of other people are dead because if that happens, then Bucky goes into full defense fucking kill mode to either protect or avenge Sam. Right. On the other hand, if Bucky was the one who was behaving in the same way, frustrated with the cops, that wouldn't have happened. No, never. As we've seen in the real world. We literally just, what, last week, saw a police chief give a press conference talking about a mass shooter who had just killed a group of Asian women saying, oh, he had a bad day. Having a bad day is... Not getting out of bed. Right. Not taking a shower. Or having a screaming match with an ex. Not going on a killing spree. Yeah. Yeah. The cops bend over backwards for white men. Right. But they have no problem bending black men's backs. Yes. So there's another interesting layer added to this. And it just goes to show how stupid bigotry is and how much of a stupid, subjective construct race is. Sebastian Stan is this additional layer. So when you and I look at him, we see a white guy, right? Yeah, he is a white guy. To you and to me. But he wouldn't be a white guy necessarily to everybody in the U.S. So Sebastian Stan was born in Romania. He didn't come to the U.S. till he was 12, but he is now a naturalized citizen. Let's pretend for a second he wasn't famous. If you drop him in a small town in Texas or anywhere in the deep south with the long hair, tell him not to shave for a week. And if he's out in public, maybe speaking Romanian on the phone to his parents, he's going to have some trouble. People will not look at him as white. 
they will look at him as Slavic. Swarthy is a word that's often used for Slavic for people, or as a lot of bigots would like to call them, gypsies. You're joking, right? No, I'm not joking. Because I'm just picturing this. If Sebastian Stan has long hair and doesn't shave his beard, he'd look like Jesus. A little bit. Well, the whitewashed version, version of Jesus, sure. Yeah, but put him, put him out in public, speaking Romanian, looking like that in the Deep South, small town Texas. Yeah, he's going to have trouble. That's just ridiculous. So in the end, it's Bucky who gets arrested because Bucky skipped therapy. Yeah. So clearly, something that we were discussing in the previous episode about his conditions of his pardon, Mm -hmm. it's not quite as flexible as we thought it was. Yes. He's got to keep showing up for therapy the way an ex-con has to show up for their parole officer. Right. So then... Hashtag crapped in America shows up to save the day again. <laughs> did you come up with that by yourself? No, I did not. I oh, stole it. Oh, you should have taken credit for that. I'd have been so proud of you. <laughs> I, since last night, I've been trying to come up with a name. And then I saw this on Reddit and I said, I'm just going to use this. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Crap yeah. in America. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah, this jackass keeps turning up like a bad fucking penny. Yeah. And, you know, I yell in my home, oh my God, go away, several times a week. And it was nice to actually be yelling it at my TV instead of my cat for a change. (laughs) Your cat must have been wondering, what did I do just now? I've just been sitting here. Oh, no, no. She was upstairs because I put the gate up because, oh my God, go away. (laughs) because she she's just as needy and insecure as john walker (laughs) so here i find it interesting that we're pissed off that crapped in america has come in and released bucky although we're not unhappy that bucky has been released mind you correct normally when it came to steve we would see the conversation with whoever the person in charge would be, where he would have a discussion and eventually win with logic or moral superiority. Mm -hmm. But in this case, because we've not seen that side of it, and we don't know whether it was a conversation or whether he just simply pulled his strings to get Bucky released. Oh, he just pulled strings. There's no way he had a chat with Bucky about this. Not with Bucky, with the person in charge who had arrested Bucky. Regardless of that, though, he waltzes in like Lord Bountiful. True. Yes. And of course, Sam at this point is like, for fuck's sake, when he knows Dr. Raider. <laughs> yeah, true. It's like he he is like a bad rash. Yeah, he's like gum. You can't get off your shoe. Yeah. Keeps sticking into everything. What aggravates me here, of course, is that Walker is again doing this for his own ends. One, he wants Bucky and Sam to team up with him, so Bucky needs to be free to do that. But he also now has them in his debt. Yes, and this is something that we've actually seen in various different team-up shows and movies. 
Person A is arrested. Person B, who has a certain amount of power, pulls some strings, tells person A that I've released you from whatever this problem is. In exchange, I want you to work with me. And that tends to be the premise of so many shows like White Collar, for example. And, you know, I can actually respect it when the person's upfront about their motives, you know, but instead Walker is being very surreptitious about it. Mm -hmm. He's trying to seem benevolent. Mm -hmm. And the way he just orders Dr. Rayner around, like, do whatever you need to do with him. After that, he's going to be with me because he's not going to have a strict schedule. Yeah. And that's what he thinks being Captain America is about. Giving orders and being in charge and having other people do whatever you say. Yeah. Captain America does do that because it is his rank. And Steve was a man who had leadership qualities. But what John doesn't seem to get is that Steve earned that. Steve earned people's respect that he was able to give them orders when needed. Right. Whereas John is coming at it from, this is my authority and I'm going to do it. That's why you have to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sam is pretty tired of getting pushed around, but he's going to get pushed around just a little bit more because Dr. Rayner is having none of his shit. <laughs> get in the room, Sam. Yes. Yeah, that was not a request. Come join Freaky Magoo for a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, she's fucking amazing. I love her. And here we see Anthony Mackie again with an incredible performance doing his best Wanda Maximoff impression. You're not fine, Sam. You're not <laughs> fine. Yeah, well, at least he's not turning the world upside down. True, true. He's just simmering silently. Yes. And I think he's also resenting this therapy session because he's a counselor himself, or at least was. He's like, I know this shit already. He even gets annoyed yeah, when she brings up that exercise. He's like, of course I know this. Yeah, true. I think he's also frustrated because he doesn't want to face the issues and he has the self-awareness to know he's avoiding it. Yes. And it's another point against Bucky because... Thanks to you, I need to deal with this. Like, fuck off, man. Yeah. And the chemistry here. These two are so good together. They play off of each other so well. Yes, that they do. I want to know how many takes this whole scene took with these two man children. <laughs> Let's just say Amy Aquino, who plays Dr. Reyna, seems to have aged by the end of this episode. <laughs> Did you notice that she's the only one who ever calls Bucky James? No, I did not. But that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Because he prefers Bucky. That's who he is. But she insists on always calling him James. Well, I suppose maybe it's professionalism or keeping <laughs> a certain emotional distance. Um... I'm less inclined to think it's professionalism from a woman who had said to him that is such utter bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting. I'm going to be thinking about that. Okay. Now, to Bucky's credit, he does deal with his emotions in this scene, whereas Sam still will not. Bucky is trying here. Yeah, he's trying because he has that level of familiarity with Dr. Rayner. And mm -hmm. he knows that she's not going to just let go 
the minute she says no childish answers, he shuts up. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sebastian Stan is great in this scene. Mm -hmm. So the uh, soul gazing exercise here gets serious. And (laughs) serious. Yeah, right. Well, (laughs) once they blink, things get a little serious. So Bucky is so vulnerable in this moment telling Sam what he's feeling. And yes, he is making this whole Captain America issue more about Steve. He's upset because he thinks Sam threw away Steve's legacy, that he's dishonoring him. And he takes that to mean that maybe Steve was wrong about the kind of man that Sam is. And if Steve was wrong about Sam, then he was wrong about Bucky too. And that is something that kind of bugged me. I get why. Yeah, but he's taking this whole thing that's going on with so many players involved and he's turning it around and making it about him. And Sam was right that why are you getting so pissy about something that has nothing to do with you? It's not like if Sam didn't become Captain America, then Bucky was by default the second in line. Bucky was never in, never an option. Right. And he didn't want it. Yeah. So why is he getting so pissed off? And he is not getting pissed off on Sam's behalf. No. He's getting pissed off on Steve's behalf. Yes. I think the reason is, as I said earlier, he owes everything to Steve. Steve's his brother. And the bond they have can never be understood by anyone. How can it? You know? It's such an incredible bond. And he can't bear the idea of Steve's mantle being passed on to somebody so undeserving of it. And a complete stranger. Yes, that too. And like he said, if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. I think Bucky is so goddamn scared. He's been scared for so long. Scared of himself, scared for himself, scared of others, not knowing who to trust. He doesn't know which end is up. He's trying to make amends for what he's done. His mind has to be going in so many different directions, you know? And he he also literally can't understand why Sam didn't take it. Yeah. And that's something we will discuss in a couple of seconds. But yes. I agree with you that Bucky is going through a lot and he doesn't know which side is up 100%. And I also feel like he has a different type of imposter syndrome going on with him. Oh, yeah. The I shouldn't be here at all imposter syndrome. That and also I'm not a good guy the way people are making it out to be. Yeah. I'm not a normal guy. Like his daily interactions that we saw in the previous episode, he can't be himself. Yeah. He has the ultimate identity crisis. Yeah. And as for Sam's reasoning, we discussed this in the previous episode of why he probably felt like he couldn't take up the shield. And there was one thing, a very important thing that we both missed. Yes. And that was fear. Yes. And we want to thank at Marina Danvers for sending us this message and pointing it out. It is something 
I should have realized and didn't. So thank you, Marina. Yeah. And this is something that I had thought of way back when, when we were discussing racial issues during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I just wasn't able to put it into words. So this is my, it's not just that society as a whole is not ready for a Captain America who is black, but there is a very good chance that if Sam would have said, yes, I'm going to be the new Captain America, and there would have been this whole reveal and probably done this whole PR thing like John Walker is doing, a lot of people would have tried to not only attack him, but attack his family. Yeah. And for him, he would never want to put his family in harm's way. Not just because obviously everybody loves their family. Nobody wants their family to be in harm's way. But after everything that his family has gone through, after him leaving for two years and then being blipped for five years, for him to go out and do this and actively knowingly put his family in danger, he would never want to do that. That's a good point. And that is something that I can relate to as someone in the LGBTQ community. I've stated this before that I am in the closet and I live in a homophobic country. So there are times there have been opportunities where I could have said or done something in defense of someone else or some injustice that I'm seeing on a larger scale, but doing so would have outed me and that would have put me in danger. But I chose not to because I was scared. Yeah. And beyond all the racists out there who would take issue with Sam being Cap, but just in MCU world and comic book land, enemies. Yes. Yeah, that was something else I didn't consider. How many times did uh, Pepper almost die? I don't don't know. Several. Okay. Yeah. And in Cap's case, in Steve's case, Peggy was more than capable of taking care of herself. Yes. And in their case, they never got together till after he was Cap in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they both knew what they were getting into. Right. And if you look at any comic, any superhero... All of them have secret identities for this very reason. Right. But Sam doesn't have the luxury of doing that because everybody already knows him. Right. And Sam is justified in saying to Bucky, this is something that you and Steve could never understand. I thought I was doing what was right. Yes. And he absolutely did what he thought was right. And at this point, Sam is like, you know what? I'm not going to sit here explaining this to two white people who won't get it. So I'm a head out. Yeah, pretty much. What did you think about Bucky asking Dr. Rayner what rule number two was again? I thought the reason he he said that was because he knows he needs to go and hurt people and he already has hurt people. That's what I was thinking, that that was his way of telling her, I'm going to be in the shit. Yes. Okay. Rule number two is out the window. And he didn't say anything. He just said, bye, Doc. Yeah. That's his way of telling her, I'm alone now. I'm done. Well, you and I don't see eye to eye on this one. Yes. <laughs> We've got a little bet going between the two of us. I think we're going to see Dr. Rayner again. I don't think so. I think that her role in the show so far is done. And we have so many other characters who are being introduced and being mentioned 
that unfortunately there won't be time for Bucky to sit down and have another session. Well, as if, much as we'd love to see more of Amy Aquino. Well, if I'm right about this, Amy will be watching my favorite documentary, My Cousin Vinny. Have you decided what I shall be watching, <laughs> if you are correct? No, I'm still thinking about it. I'm making a list. And here's the thing. We made it very, very clear that we will not be making each other watch the crappiest movie possible. No, My Cousin Vinny's a classic. Okay. Yes. All right. Who doesn't want to spend more time with Aunt May? I'll take your word for it. So listeners, please keep us accountable for this because chances are we might conveniently forget this bet. One of us would conveniently forget. (laughs) So Sam and Bucky head out together and, oh my God, go away. I'll say it again. (laughs) Yeah, Crapton America is playing the siren yes that's exactly what he's doing let's play the siren to get the black guy's attention well both of them not just the black guy still true yeah it's a douchey move yeah it's a it's a very frat boy move everything he does is a douchey move (laughs) and he's still making this last effort to get sam and bucky to work with him he's pulling out every last stop yeah He's trying so hard here. And Sam and Bucky are just not having it. Yeah. And so what it comes down to, underlying it all, Walker is pissed because he knows he needs Sam and Bucky. They don't need him. Yeah. And he just wants them to fall in line, damn it. Do what I say, because I'm Captain America. Right. But they are having none of it. Yeah. And Bucky is pushing his buttons on purpose, too. Yeah, true. Saying, yeah, yeah, a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure under there, huh, buddy? (laughs) And, you know, Sam is right. They have no good reason to want to work with him. True, because Bucky shouldn't be there in the first place. Right. And Sam is a private contractor. And in a way, we haven't seen Sam actually being told that he needs to go after the Flag Smashers. Mm -hmm. The last mission that he had was to go rescue that liaison officer. Yeah, he's got a lot more freedom. And that's all it takes for Walker to turn on them completely. Stay the hell out of my way. Yes. Now, first off, language. (laughs) Not my cap, damn it. Yeah, that was the point where up until this point, I understood that John Walker is a problematic character. But I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. But when he said that, nope, I'm done. Yeah, that stay the hell out of my way. That was the real John Walker. Yeah. Everything before this was a mask he was wearing. Yeah, he was trying to be the benevolent leader. And this is where he lost his calm. Mm -hmm. And we can see he has a very short fuse. Yeah, yeah. So they are officially enemies now. Yep. So they go their separate ways and we head over to Slovakia where the Flag Smashers have to make a quick getaway. Yeah. We assume they're taking medicines or some kind of supplies in this plane. And this is where we are introduced to Power Broker. Yeah. Now, we don't see a person or an entity. We, we see one guy, but we don't seem to see who the real 
power broker is. Right. We see a, a caravan of SUVs. Correct. Henchmen. Yep. And one of the flag smashers chooses to sacrifice himself so that the rest of them can get away. Yeah. And I wonder what the relationship is between him and Carly. Is it a romantic relationship? Are they siblings, perhaps? Just close friends? I'm wondering how much that'll play in just for her emotionally moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. They left it vague. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Keeps us guessing. Yeah. And you don't need to have a very strong bond to feel a loss. I mean, they are idealists. They all are working for the same goal and they have shared experiences. So it, so they have that certain bond amongst themselves. You don't need to label a relationship for it to be important. True. But just in terms of comic lore. True. We don't even know his name. Yeah. Just in terms of how different relationships are treated differently for emotional motives. Mm -hmm. So in the comics, Power Broker was both a corporation and a person. We had the Power Broker Corporation that was run by a guy named Dr. Curtis Jackson. Yes. And one of the main scientists behind Power Broker was Carl Malice. Interestingly, the character Carl Malice was in Jessica Jones, the series on Netflix. And he was played by... Callum Keith Rennie, who was Leobin in Battlestar Galactica. A lot of Battlestar Galactica connections in this episode. Exciting day for you. Yeah. So Carl Malice is the guy making the drugs and Power Broker is selling superpower drugs on the black market. Yes. And as we said earlier, they are the entity responsible for giving John Walker and, and Lamar Hoskins their super soldier serum. Yeah, so he's creating his own personal army of super soldiers and selling super henchmen to villains around the globe. Yes, good business plan. Yeah, especially when the drugs are highly addictive and make sure True. everybody keeps coming back to you. Create demand. You never have to worry about making ends meet ever again. Yeah. So we don't know how much of that is going to play in from the comics, but... Based on what we're seeing, it seems like there's a very good chance that it could be quite close to the comics. Yes, I think Power Broker is going to be the real big bad here. Yeah. You hear that, everybody? Not Mephisto, not Nightmare, a dude. <laughs> what is Power Broker if not Mephisto? I will hurt you. You fuck with that line, I will hurt you. I will cancel your birthday present right now. <laughs> okay, I stopped. I stopped. While that plane... Persevering. While... <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> while the flag smashers are taken off, we get one last moment between Bucky and Sam. Bucky has an epiphany. He does. Painful one, though. Oh, I think it's a great epiphany. Really? I can't wait for this. Okay. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying I can't mm. wait to see Mr. Zemo again. Yeah, I mean, it will certainly be interesting, but it's going to get, it's going to make Bucky far more tortured. Oh, yes. I'm tired of seeing him 
so frowny and pouty all the time. And oh, this musical cue that sets up Zemo in prison is fantastic. Yes, I like this piece of music, though. It's, it's I would listen to it. Yeah, it's epic. It's soaring. Yes, it seems familiar. It does. I've heard it before. I want to say maybe I heard this in the movie Primal Fear. I think oh, I was thinking like I've listened to it as is. Oh, well, I mean, it's possible. I wouldn't know one piece of music from another, but I think it, it was very similar, if not the same as the music that's playing in Primal Fear when Edward Norton murders the Cardinal. Okay. I don't understand why people use classical music to signify bad guys. Classical music is good. I don't know, but it's perfect. It just really matches the type of villain he was. You know why? Because there's an it's used for more intellectual villains. Right. Yeah, it's code. Yeah, it's it's like chess. Yeah, it's like, you know, Hannibal Lecter was a classier type of villain. You know? Yeah. And in the show Hannibal, whenever he was cooking, they would always use instrumental classical music in the background. Yeah, I mean, the man who eats his livers with Chianti is, of course, going to enjoy it with some classical accompaniment. So what does that say about me when I like to listen to classical music? Well, combine that with the fact that you intentionally chose a business partner who is obsessed with true crime. I'm going to let you decide. Maybe I am a serial killer. <laughs> and I chose you as my partner in crime because it's fun to be so close yet so far. And that's exactly where we leave Zemo. So close yet so far in his uh, Magneto style prison here. <laughs> I can't wait. Interesting note that I saw online was that his cell number was 2187. and. In Star Wars, Princess Leia was in cell number 2187. That is a deep cut. Wow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I, appre I appreciate yeah. the nerd detail, though. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, I didn't see this coming. This what is going to be very uneasy alliance. Yeah. Let's see how long that alliance lasts in the first place. Yeah. Especially if that alliance involves getting him out of prison, which I have no doubt it will. Yeah, it probably will. And I have a feeling that he will be the catalyst to bring Sam and Bucky together, not physically, but uh, from a friendship perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Do you feel lighter? I suppose so, yes. I feel like I just lost 10 pounds of rant. <laughs> like 10 pounds of words just out of me. Okay, good, good. So we already mentioned Marina Danvers earlier, but there are a few other people we want to mention this week. Ashby Gray and Mary, we're on Team Alpine with you. Just me personally, I desperately need to see Sebastian Stan cuddling with a kitten. I'm serious about that, by the way. I really want to see him play with a cat. Of course you do. I really do. I'm a sucker. You know it. I can't help myself. You want to see a handsome man stroking a pussy. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> At Chaotic Blady, we agree that there's a lot of grey in the good guys and the bad guys, yeah? Credit to Malcolm Spellman and his awesome team of writers. Kelly Parker? 
Candyland with Bucky sounds good. Uh, do you happen to know if there is a strip version of the game? Asking for a friend. I'm noticing a trend with your responses. <laughs> all right. Thank you to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. And we have another bonus episode for you guys this week because we are masochists. <laughs> yes, I can't remember the last time I slept. So in celebration of our first anniversary of The Marvelous Madams, we re-recorded our very first episode of the movie to which we owe the show, Iron Man. So look out for that new and improved episode at the very top of our feed on April 4th. It's a great way to spend a lazy Sunday and to honor Mr. Robert Downey Jr., whose birthday is just coincidentally the day we launched the podcast. Yeah, we didn't plan this at all. Actually, we didn't, <laughs> because you <he> said to <laughs> me. <laughs> Technically, that's true. We did not. We were originally going to start the show May 5th with the <laughs> original release of Black Widow, go figure. And... On April 4th, you messaged me and said, hey, it's Robert Downey Jr.'s birthday. Do you want to launch the podcast today? Yeah, and you were freaking out. I was like, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. And I've been, I've yeah. been going along ever since. <laughs> so after you've had your fill of Mr. Tony's talk, join us next Wednesday as we cover episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. In the meantime, if you have something to add, if we miss the mark on something... Let us know on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Marvel Madams. And visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. What's the word for tone? Tune? No. Music? What? Oh, right? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, the term. Like classical music. This is. What do they say? What is the term? I don't know. Why are you asking the woman who hasn't listened to music in like four years? No, I'm asking for the English term. I don't know music. I don't know what you're talking about. The technical term. I don't like, know technical terms for music. I don't know what you mean. The, like, Tchaikovsky's the fifth. What do you say? It's a song? It's a set? It's a what? I don't know. A piece? <laughs> I have no idea. You know I'm not cultured. Why the fuck would I know this? <laughs> it's not about culture. It's about English. You're the one with the I'm words. I'm not a musical person. It's a piece of music. That's the best I can do. Peace. Thank you. Piece of music. That is what I was looking for. Thank you. See, I knew you would come through. <laughs> Even while screaming, she manages to help me. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs>